All right, what's up, everybody? Highline Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and today I'm joined by, again, Adam Kaiser. And uh, it is August 21st, something like that, somewhere around there. Uh, Here in Montana, we've had archery antelope season going on for just about a week. A week to t- till today, right? It was a no, week ago, 15th, last Tuesday. Yeah. Started, yeah. So uh, Adam's already had a successful season. He tagged out on what, the second day? Yeah. Yeah. Not so much luck for myself, although I've had a close opportunity, which we'll talk about. But other than that, uh, I brought Adam on here to kind of just go over his um, his hunting technique and talk about the hunt. So... <clears throat> let's just start from the beginning and uh i'd like to know kind of what your goal was for this year before the season started and what your plan was and how you started to implement that throughout the summer pretty much like the same every year um two three weeks before the season start looking around start hanging cameras on water holes checking water holes uh, the one i hunted this year hasn't had water since 2020 and it's only had water three times in the 12 years I've lived here. So hung cameras, found out one of my cameras wasn't working, but regardless, none of my cameras were getting very much. And I haven't talked to the biologist here, but I feel like the numbers are a lot lower than they normally are. Had one big buck on the one hole, and I think that was the only antelope. I saw another doe or two whenever I went in to hang the tree stand. And then my other water hole, I had one buck, one picture, one day. So I don't mind sitting water holes like 15 hours if I have to, if there's a lot of antelope, like I can wait them out. But when there's nothing around, it makes it a little tough. So I saw that big buck in person once and knew that he was kind of something special. And my goal this year was, I mean, I've shot a few and I wanted to shoot something a little bigger. Like I need to shoot a big one, but if a 12-inch one came in, I was probably going to shoot it just the same. Is that kind of your, your the lowest you'll go, somewhere around 12? Somewhere around there, up in this area. I mean, that's kind of the standard for a decent buck. Well, it's different out here, too, compared to a lot of... If you look up YouTube videos on people hunting for antelope in Montana, like I feel like most of those are spot and stalk in a more rolling hill environment with a lot of sagebrush so there's a lot more cover and concealment where we're where we're at it's all cropped harvested fields of wheat and soybeans and lentils so once that stuff is cut i mean we don't want to be in the fields really laying on our stomachs crawling through all that stuff before they've harvested but that's really the only environment that we have you can find them kind of in the grassier hills but for the most part the techniques out here are, are going to be a lot different than, for instance, like southeast uh, Montana or southwest Montana, mm-hmm. even where the antelope are. Or Wyoming, where I hunted in Wyoming. I mean, that was made for archery hunting there. Yeah. You should go back there. You can draw it while you could with one point. But, yeah, here here's tough. Well, that's why you can't be too picky with the bow. I yeah. mean, if you've got a rifle tag, then mm-hmm. you can spend days searching for that big buck and you can get you know depending on how good of a shot you are three four five hundred yards away and make a kill shot on it so it's not necessarily as challenging it's challenging in its own ways but bow hunting specifically out here 
at least from the times that I've bow hunted, I've this is I think the third season that I'll have bow hunted them. You have to if you're going to spot and stalk, you need to make sure that you're finding them in those those rolling hills. You need to have cover and concealment. You need to sit water and just wait it out. The tree you you've got the tree stand, I've got the the blind. Well, you've got a blind too. Yeah. But as like spot and stalk out here is really tough on the antelope because once once the, that afternoon comes around, they just bed up in the middle of a, of a cut field, mm-hmm. and they have a, a face looking every direction. So it's really tough. There was a guy on Instagram that messaged me the other day and asked. It was his first time coming out. He's coming out mid September, and he asked like, "What do you do?" And that was like one of the main things I told him is you can't stalk every antelope. There's some you look at, you just got to move on and go find another one. If they're laying in a flat field, there's nothing you can do there. I've tried. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. No. Uh, the the decoys will work. Especially that guy coming mid-September. That's what I told him. He shouldn't yeah. have to sit water. It'll be the rut then. I think the second second week of September, and that usually lasts two or three weeks from what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that it's starting to pick up a little bit here where they're getting ready and they're getting their harems together. Um, I have seen over the last couple of days bucks chasing off smaller bucks. So if you do have the decoy, whether it's the one that you can mount on the front of your bow, which is that Ultimate Predator decoy, or uh, what's the other one, Montana Decoy Company? That's what I have. They make the the full-body stand-up silhouettes. Uh, I put a silhouette up last night on a stalk, and I had three does that wanted to come in, but I'm in a cut field of peas. I mean, you have one inch of stem off the ground, so there's no cover. And it's kind of one of those things. If you're going to throw that decoy up, you need to have some type of concealment, whether you're in taller grass or just slightly behind a hill or something, because they're going to start noticing all that irregular movement behind a, a decoy. Yeah. And like I told that guy the other day, and I think I said it last year on the podcast, was distance too. Like, you don't want to throw that thing up from 400 yards because that buck, he'll just turn his does and take them away. Yeah. Whereas if you kind of surprise him, if you can get into that 150 yards or less, it kind of makes him choose, and a lot of times they'll choose the fight. Yeah. That's when they'll come. I think you need to separate the buck from his does. You find him where he's slightly separated and get in a position where it looks like you're trying to intercept those does. Then he will come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from what I've been watching through my binoculars when I'm watching them interact with each other, that's how I've seen them chase each other off is the buck might sometimes – I've only at the last week or so, so late August, the buck that the bucks that I'm seeing, they might be with a dozen or so does, but they're somewhat separate from the group until they're ready to move. So if they're grazing, I've seen the bucks alone grazing, or just a bachelor group of bucks, and then the does separate, but they're in the same area, and then once they're ready to move, he'll close in and push them. So if you can get them when they're separated and the buck sees you between him and the does, I think that might trigger it, especially early before the rut. Just from my observations that I've been, you know, watching them over the past couple of years, I know I've decoyed in one buck to 30 yards years ago. That was the first time I drew the archery tag and uh, it was like a 30 mile an hour crosswind. And I just, I just watched my arrow float away in the wind so I missed the shot. Uh, but I was surprised. I made that decoy out of cardboard and spray paint. Cut out a little center mass in the front of the... the it was basically a frontal view of the of the buck. Mm. 
spray painted black horns, black nose, black eyes, white chest, and then I just stuck it over my bow, just like the Predator decoy, but just made out of cardboard. And he came flying in. That was about 250 yards from him originally. Mm. He closed the gap real quick. Those bucks will go on little solo missions too to go mark their territory. Well, they'll make a big loop. And I've already, we've gotten in between them then too. They'll go over the horizon just, you know, on fence lines, marking as they go, and then they'll come back. Mm-hmm. And if you can be there with a buck decoy, whenever he turns around where you can see his does again, he's going to come flying back then. Yeah. I think even this early, it should work the same. It's, it's going to work especially well during the rut, that middle of September area, but. Even right now, I think you can still pull them in at least to 100, sub 100 yards, maybe 50. So depending how far you can shoot. I mean, you're pretty accurate out to like 80, 90. Uh, but you won't shoot an antelope that far with your bow, would no. you? Unless you have to put a second arrow in it right. or something. Yeah. No, I prefer everything close. But Talking, so, to, talking to my taxidermist, he was talking about these bucks that initially have these does are kind of like satellite bulls where... Like, my buck, when I shot him, only had, he had two does and a fawn. And about a mile away, there's another buck, much smaller, who's acting all ruddy. But he's got probably 15 does. And he said he feels, and it makes sense that, you know, he's hanging out with those does until things actually get right, where they come into estrus, and then the bigger buck's going to go take all those. So the does are pretty much just tolerating that guy right now. So that's probably why they don't come to the decoys quite as much. Because they're not dominant bucks. They're just satellites that are, you know, killing time right now with the does until the rut actually happens. Yeah. It made sense whenever he was, when he was saying it. Yeah. No, I, I, I've seen that for sure. Um, so that the, the watering hole that you chose specifically, I mean, you got lucky enough that it had water in it. How, how much time do you think you have before it, it dries up this season? There's quite a bit of water in it this year. And then, like, today it rained all day, so it kind of got lucky. Yeah, it'll year. fill back up a little bit. We had a bit. really wet spring. We had a lot of snow, and, yeah. Now, when you're up there in the tree stand, what's how much water is there? Is there so much water where your shots could potentially – they could come in and they could be 100 yards away with no shot? No. I shot my buck at the furthest point, and it was 47. So you're so not lo- you're looking at no more than about fifty yards yeah. for that water hole. Yeah, yeah, it's gone That's down good. some. When I hung the tree stand, I think I ranged it, and it was it was pushing seventy. So it has shrunk some. Oh, because you put it up a couple weeks mm-hmm. before the season. Yeah, yeah. Not that they have to get used to it, just because it takes an hour to put up, probably. And but the blind be- for sure, you want to get yeah. those blinds up on those yeah. water holes. I early. always put blinds out at least two weeks in advance. Yeah, just because antelope definitely get weird with blinds. I've I've jumped in them the first day, like threw one up in the dark, sat in it, and they'll lay for hours. Like they'll come over the hill, see it, and just stand there, lay there, yeah. whatever, and just, they never do come to it, it seems like the first day. Yeah, I I put the game cams up on mine. I got permission from a friend of mine to hunt his property, and that watering hole was much smaller than what you're on. I mean, the first day that I put up the, the blind, which was about two weeks before the season started, I think the furthest I would have had to shoot was 35 to the water line. And by opening day, it was about 31. So it receded a little bit. Uh, I was actually getting concerned a couple days ago because the last time I sat it, uh, it was even lower 
to about a 27-yard shot. So it lost about three yards of – it receded about three three more yards. <clears throat> With this rain that we're getting today, it should be back up to around 30, I would think. I mean, it's it's a pretty – it's a good little setup. But I noticed that when I put the, the, the blind in, in the game cam, I came back a week later before opener and – Checked the game cam, and the antelope came in two days after I put the blind in. And there was about a dozen of them. So they weren't too spooked about the blind being there, unless they were for maybe the, literally the next day and the day after. I think it'd be funny to put a time lapse on one just to watch those things all day the first day. Because I think they probably stand there most of their day just, you know, looking at it, lowering their head, snapping their head up. Yeah, at the they blind. They play yeah. that game forever. Yeah. You can see in some of the pictures that I have where they're drinking and then they're looking straight to the left of the camera, which is where my blind is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I would imagine that they're checking it out quite a bit. They're pretty twitchy. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I I mean, that's – I don't like sitting in a blind. It sucks. But it's claustrophobic. It's not so much – well, it is. You know, your ass will get sore if you don't have a decent chair in there, which mm-hmm. I don't. I've got one of those, like, triangular ice no, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. I sit on the ground most of the time. I go up and down. Yeah, I've had to take a couple breaks on the ground or just standing up. But, uh, you know, I don't like it. But this time of year, especially when it's 100 degrees in the afternoon, I don't want to be out there spot and stalking. No. Um, everyone's harvesting right now. So – the antelope are getting chased. They're a little bit spooky right now with all the farm traffic. And it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of, for in my opinion, it's very hard to get close to these antelope spot and stalk mm-hmm. just this time of year. Once that rut starts happening and they're a little more distracted, I think if I haven't gotten anything out of the blind yet, then that's where I'm going to focus my attention. But I mean... Hell, last year you shot your antelope buck out of that blind on our friend's property. And uh, you guys gave me permission to use yours like the following week. And I sat there for three or four hours and I shot my buck. Mm. So after that, I was kind of like, all right, it works. Now I got lucky because I happened to shoot mine the first time that I sat out there. But there's guys that sit in these blinds for seven, eight, nine, ten times and they don't see anything. Yeah. That was a really good water hole, and that's kind of the part I enjoy about it is the, the homework that goes into finding. Like, you can't hunt a spot that has 10 water holes in a square mile. Like, that blind sitting there the first day, they're just going to write that one off, and they'll water somewhere else from then on. Like, and then you just have to get lucky that yeah. they're going to pick your water hole that right. day. And the so, day you're not there is the day they're going to show oh, yeah. up on your game cam. So, like, I enjoy that part of finding a, a good water hole. Like, my water hole's a mile from the road, and... uh it's fun playing that game. Like, opening day was 102 degrees. They're going to go to water sometime. Might not be the first three hours. It could be, you know, whenever. Like, um, opening day, I didn't have an antelope come in until about 2 o'clock was the first one. That's the only one I saw that day. And that's at the highest temperature of the day. Yeah. And then the next day was 87, I think, when I shot mine. But, yeah, water, it's not that it's easy. It's If you do your homework and figure it out, and you have patience. That's the biggest one. Like, yeah. If you sit there, it's going to happen. If you can give it a couple days, like they're going to come to water. Just if you have cameras on, you see that they don't come every morning at 8 o'clock. They don't come every day at noon or in the evening, but they come sometime. Like they have to water. When it's yeah, they don't degrees, pattern. It's not, not like they're really. hitting it at the same exact time every single yeah. day. But if I wouldn't shoot one in the first week or two, 
like today is a cold front. It's 63 degrees today and it rained all day. There's no way you're sitting in a water hole today or the next day or two. But the forecast looks like it's going to get hot again. Yeah. So next week will be good. And a lot of these, you know, there's going to be little puddles everywhere. They'll dry up. But then moving forward, which I haven't done this in a few years, but I've, because I've tagged out on water holes, but I really enjoy hunting with other people. Like you hit September and there's no more water hole sitting. Then it's go time, decoys. You find one that wants to play, and then, like, the whole game changes. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yes. That's, uh, Ground blinds are boring. Like, yes. I, I've i heard people say that, you know, it's it's too easy or it's cheating. Sitting in a tent in a seated position for six hours is not easy. Yeah, or 10 It's or mentally draining. Yeah, depending on how long you want to sit in there because, like you said, they can come in any time of the day. Mm-hmm. Last week, I, I hunted the second or third day of the season – I sat, I got into my what I think shooting time was around five fifty in the morning five fifty five it was real early I had left my house at like four thirty and by the time I got into the tent you're looking at five forty five forty five just before shooting light it took me a little longer than I thought it would so I got there at first light I sat down I got all my gear situated and I look out the window and there's three bucks coming in so I'm like hell yeah it's it's going to happen today, or at least I'm going to have some type of action, right? Mm. Something's happening because they're feeding towards me. And it took, they were three small, small bucks. I mean, they're not even above their ears, so they're pretty young. So I wasn't going to shoot one of those, but they came in and fed for an hour. And then they went past, uh, past my tent about 40 yards and went to go get water. So on days like that, you know, I had more antelope come in the afternoon and we'll get to that but there's days like that and then there's days like the last day that i sat in the blind where i didn't have anything coming to water i had a sandhill crane and some ducks that was it no deer no antelope i watched antelope from about two or three hundred yards away walking the other direction towards another water source but i sat there for like six hours with no action and that that is taxing on your mental and unless you have cameras state. on every inch of that water hole they could have hit that thing an hour before dark the night before and if they do that they don't have to hit that thing yeah first thing in the morning. yeah i have to get um and that's the thing i i've got a game cam there but at the time i didn't have i just bought a an sd card reader that plugs right into the phone so what I could have done is that morning, right when I got there, pulled the SD card and start scrolling through pictures, I would have had a better idea of yeah. when's the last time they were actually there. Which is what I always do because it just kind of helps my my attitude. Yeah. If I get in there and I check it and they were there, you know, the last three days in a row, even if it's any time during the day. But like you said, if they were there the night before, then eh, I know I'm going to be sitting a while. Or they're there at 4, 30, 4 in the morning, right? Yeah. As you're driving to the blind, they're getting water. They're not Especially coming back. Especially if you get a full moon. Like antelope don't move at night. Hardly ever. Yeah. Like, they've got eyes, I think, similar to ours. But if it's full moon, like, you and I have both worked nights, you'll see them cruising around at nighttime. You'll start mm-hmm. getting them on camera. When it's full moon, they definitely move around at night. They'll hit water at night. But on these dark nights, you can pretty much, they're going to hit it during the daylight hours. Yeah. Uh, it is It is tough. I, I wouldn't call it easy. You have to be prepared to sit there for long hours with not much to do. Bring a book. Watch a movie on your phone. Yeah. Scroll through Instagram if you've got service. <laughs> you got to do something. Um, if you have patience, like, and you have activity on your cameras, 
it's just a matter of time. We just got to sit there. Yeah, I thought that I just happened to find this awesome water hole because, like I said, they're on camera. They came in that first day. I'll just tell you real quick. So they came; those three bucks came in that first day that I sat it, and they got water. I let the, I watched them, you know, walk away. And as they're they're grazing themselves away from the water hole, about two or three hundred yards away from them, up on top of the hill, were three or four more bucks bedded up in in this grain field. So now like i'm already excited and that kind of helps your mental state be like i'm gonna sit here because those other bucks haven't gotten water yet i think so i sat for another three hours and then a dozen more antelope showed up and so now it's game time i didn't want to shoot the first three bucks because they were too small on the second group of antelope of 12 or so the biggest one was probably somewhere around 10 or 11 inches which is fine for me. I will shoot that. I probably wouldn't have gone smaller than him. The other two were just a little bit smaller, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to shoot that. Uh, but I'll do 10 or 11. Like, I don't need a huge buck. I'm not shoot. I'm not trying to be a trophy hunter, right? Um, it's all about the hunt for me. And I don't want to shoot just something that's two years old, right? I want to shoot a bigger-bodied animal. So I, I target this bigger one. He comes in uh 34 yards was the distance i draw back i anchor i put that 30 yard pin just a little bit high i release the arrow and i don't hear that that burlap sack smack sound that it makes when you hit an antelope right i heard contact but it was the arrow hitting the ground now you and i practice a lot quite often across the street and we can shoot all the way out to Oh, we could shoot out to 100, but we usually keep it between 60 and 70. Mm-hmm. We're always hitting the target. We're not really losing too many arrows unless we're just having a really bad shooting day, right? So a 34-yard shot from a blind on a broadside stationary animal should be an easy day, right? It's an easy shot. I shouldn't have any issues missing that. Well, I did miss, and I was trying to figure out what the issue was. Uh, which I found out, I think it was later that evening, I took the bow out, I went to go shoot the target again, and at 30 yards, my arrows were about 10 inches low. So the problem that happened was that during the archery practice, when we were practicing preseason, I switched broadheads. I wanted to try some new ones. I sighted everything in. I realized they didn't fly true to my field points after 30 or 40 yards. Go back to the old Magnus Stinger broadheads, sight everything in. 20 and 30 yard pins were still sighted in for the other broadheads. So they were off. Like that's how dramatic of a drop they had compared to the normal broadheads I shoot. I just forgot to recite in 20 and 30 to those specific broadheads. So that's my fault. I screwed up. I should have checked my gear the night before we went out, but um, it is what it is. You know, I fixed my sights. I got all, I got everything squared away now. Now, and I sat that second day, and I didn't see anything all day. So, I'm gonna try it again this week, maybe, and see what happens. But man, sitting those blinds, it's just, it's hard. If you don't see something all day, it's hard to want to go back. Especially when you're like, I had my opportunity. On they came in, I had an easy shot, and I screwed it up. And then the next day, you don't see anything. It's like I don't really want to go do that again. So. I don't know, but 
I would check your cameras in the dark. And if they've been hitting it the last, you know, few days, which it's raining right now, they're not going to hit it today. But no. When are you hunting? Wednesday? I'll probably go out Wednesday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, um, there's another watering hole that I put a camera up on. I just got permission for, I'll check those cameras. I don't know. It's a much larger water source as I've already told you. You know, the problem with the larger water source is that they have the entire reservoir to drink from, which means you have to kind of pinpoint where you think they might show up. And I've got the cameras out there. To, I've got a camera out there. So hopefully they're walking by that camera and then I can kind of decide if I want to put a blind out there. So, you know, you just got to get lucky and hope they come into somewhere where you have a shot opportunity. But uh, those bigger, that's the problem hunting bigger water. And then there's some reservoirs, I mean, you know they're hitting it, but there's just no way you have 200 yards on each side of the reservoir that they could be drinking from. That's not even worth sitting and waiting on, in my opinion. Yeah. So. I would say that if you give them the option, they're going to go water on the far side, you know, if they are worried about your blind. But I say that, that water hole we both shot our antelope last year was pretty big. Mm -hmm. And I had antelope within five yards the morning I shot mine. Yeah. I had a bunch of does that were, I mean, I could almost reach out and touch them. So I don't know. Once they get used to it, I don't think they care. It's just yeah. a matter of figuring out which side they prefer, where they want to go to the water. Because like that tree stand, literally three quarters of that, I've never seen an antelope touch. Mm-hmm. It's just that 25%. It's like from 12 o'clock to three, where they like to go. So do you, you put multiple cameras on that water source? Do you obviously are looking at the ground to see where the most foot traffic is? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of a, an indicator. Where are the prints to yeah. see where they're trying to access the water from? And then there's some areas that are just not accessible to them because of foliage or it's too rocky for them to get into. They don't like going through the brush to it. No. Because, like, the water hole I was on has hedgerows on the one side of it. And they'll circle clear around that to come in at a different yeah, area. Yeah, the ones know that predators are going to hide in there. Yeah, the ones that came in that first day for me, they were coming in straight to the water source and they stopped before they dropped down into the tall grass and they walked all the way around and came back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wasn't sure where my shot was going to be. Uh, so that's def- that definitely holds true that they're not going to want to go through that thicker stuff when there's an easier path. But uh, so you're. You're sitting in this tree stand. Now, you told me a little bit about what happened that day. You didn't. You sat that tree stand on two separate times in that day. Yeah. You sat. You went out there in no, the morning? No, not that day. <clears throat> so opening morning, I sat it for about three hours. I checked my camera in the dark, had nothing on it. So I sat for about three hours. Um, it was one of those where had I had action, I would have stayed on my cameras. I didn't. I had something I had to do at home, so I decided I elected to get out of the tree, run home for a couple hours, deal with that. I came back. I sat it for a couple more hours that day. That evening? Yeah, because that little buck came in, and I let him go. Just a small buck. And then the next morning is when I took Bennett, my son, and we sat in the blind on a different water hole. I saw nothing. Oh, that's right, yeah. But the day before, so after I got out of the tree the day before, I got out around 3 o'clock. And right after I got out, the wind started blowing like 50 miles an hour. So it was good that I got out. So I drove around, checked over near my other water hole. There was a herd, which I never got on my camera. That was just maybe 
three quarters of a mile from it. So I said, okay, there's antelope in the area. I never betted there was a buck and I think eight does. So the next morning I sat that blind with Bennett, saw nothing. We gave it three hours, climbed out, checked the cameras, nothing, hiked out to the truck, went and glassed where I saw that herd the day before. They weren't there, but where they were, there was kind of a spot in the grass where there's never been water. Like it's always a dry water hole. So I went and checked that. Me and Bennett hiked in there and there was water and there was a lot of tracks. Now, a lot of them were deer, but the antelope had definitely hit it the day before, too. So I thought, I'll take Bennett home, get some stuff done, grab my other blind, and bring it back out and set it up. And there were a lot of round bales around, so I won't hunt around. Like I said, won't hunt a ground blind the first day that I set it, mm-hmm. you know, set it out. But with the round bales, I thought if I can hug it up against one, it might blend it in enough that sure. I can get away with it. And it was it was hot again. So... I grabbed my blind, I was driving out there, but the route that I was going takes me kind of near the tree the tree stand water hole. And maybe a mile, mile and a half from there, I'm driving, I look out in the field, and there's, there's some antelope. So I stop, and it's that big buck that I got on camera, and that I saw in person that time. But hasn't been on my camera in over a week. So, but he's within a mile, and they were harvesting above that you know a ways where that other buck has all those does and they were on the other side of the road which i've never seen them there so i thought they might go i don't know so drove around parked hiked in it's close to a mile so i went in there as quick as i could climbed up in the tree and just sat there thought i have nothing else to lose there's not a lot of antelope around these areas this year maybe he comes in maybe he doesn't i have nothing else to do so I sat there, and like an hour in, here come the combines. And I was texting, I know I text you, I mm-hmm. text some other buddies. Like, I got a combine that's basically going to, you know, go right under the tree. And pretty much ever, like, I had a couple guys say, like, I'd get out and leave. And then you, and it was kind of in my mind, too, because I've had ranchers tell me that antelope don't mind combines. So I thought, whatever, I'm going to stay here. So combine kept getting closer. And at one point, uh, the rancher came up in his truck, and he got out, which a combine's one thing, a guy on foot walking through the field's another. And as soon as he started walking across the field, I watched the little buck probably from the day before, I watched him just go flying across the horizon. So I still wasn't, I don't know, really discouraged, but right about that three-hour mark, I was getting sunburnt on the side of my face, so I've spun around, I had my hood up, and like you said, I was watching something on my phone, I had one earbud in, had my phone sitting in like the Y of the tree and I just kept looking around once in a while and I looked back and the combine was making a pass and way out I see that buck pushing his does and they're kind of trotting basically trying to beat that combine across I think coming right through the standing grain and they came across so I took out my earbuds put my phone down turned on some cameras and things and he pushed them they were kind of paralleling like across from me and once they got straight, like they got, they cleared all that brush, all the hedgerows and things. And once they got out there, the does were going to keep going. Well, he kind of headed them off and then turned them. And then once they started coming, I said, okay, they're coming. And then I realized it was that big buck that I had on camera that I saw once in person. So I had to, I had to calm myself. I'd start doing that four second breathing that mm-hmm. definitely works. It works for me. Got myself calmed down. Explain that. Combat breathing? Yes. Four seconds in, Box four breathing. seconds out, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. 
it, it definitely lowers the heart rate. And then I had to, t you know, tell myself, like, this year I'm trying to tell myself aim longer. Because if you watch 2020, Nick pointed it out, I shot within like a second of getting in my peep sight. Which at 23 yard, you can get away with it a little bit. This year was a longer shot. So I'm telling myself, aim longer, aim longer. And he comes in, and I think a doe might have drank first. And then he came in and started drinking. And I hit him with the rangefinder. And I was, you know, I can hold down on the button and get like a scan feature. And I was getting 47, 47, 47. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So I made sure nothing was looking. Drew settled, you know, I'm a five-yard uh, five pin gap guy. I don't like 10-yard gaps. I'm weird. It crunches my pins up, but that's just me. So I went with my 45 and 50. I split them. He was quartered two. I held it, you know, where it needed to be. And I held it for six seconds, which I consider a win. Because I mean, it's a lot faster than a second mm -hmm. a couple years ago. So touched it off. And uh, I'm shooting these severs this year. Which I swore I would never go back to mechanicals after I had that issue on that big newly 10 years ago. Yep. And I haven't shot them since, but Nick, um, our other buddy Adam, two Adams. And then different podcasts, guys swear by them, so I decided to try them because I was wanting to get away from the fixed heads that I've been shooting the last two years. They're just, with the bow I'm shooting, um, it's not as forgiving. And if I do anything wrong with my form, any kind of torque, they plane. Like, I can be shooting 50 yards at the house, and all of a sudden, I'll just miss my entire target. And it's because With the broadhead, though, not, not the field tips? Right. With the broadhead. So it's hand torque. It's, it's cam lean. It's you know, some kind of torque, mm -hmm. face pressure, something that I'm doing. So I wanted to get away from that. And I haven't had any issues shooting those. I've shot them at distance, and they fly great. I mean, they fly like my field tips. So, but with a quarter two animal, I'm not going to break that shoulder as easy. And antelope, you probably still will. But tucked it right behind the shoulder, and in the video, when you slow it down, he actually kind of, not a lot, but he kind of turns into it just a little bit, so it hits right behind the shoulder perfect. And when I saw it hit, I said, oh, he's done. Well, then he ran, and when he ran, I could see, like, half my arrow hanging out, so I was kind of worried. But not really, you know, not worried, because I saw where it hit. Mm -hmm. But he's flying out across the field, and he's about to go over, like, he, he goes a ways. And I stand up on the seat of the tree stand, and he's just about to crest in the standing field, and then he, kind of, he stops. And he does that, like, stumble, and then he goes down. But he probably ran 300 yards, which surprised me. But what happened when I gutted him, I realized that it hit behind the shoulder. It ran kind of the length of him, and it hit the back leg on the opposite side. Oh, really? And bounced back out. And if you really slow it down and go back and forth, you can see it buries all the way to my wrap. So the arrow the broke? No. Oh, it didn't. It sunk all that way. When it hit that leg, it bounced straight back out. Oh. So it went all the way and hit that leg, bounced out. So it went down to the wrap. So probably, you know, eight inches of arrow was all that was sticking out. But when it hit, then, you know, there's huh. a lot of arrow hanging out. Yeah. But it did that damage. But, so, I mean, I was happy with that. Um, climbed down, kind of marked the direction I had to go. Got out there, and this grain is taller than my knees. So I walk like 500 yards, looking up and down the rows in a straight line. Don't find them. I move 100 yards up, coming back. I'm trying to hurry because it's hot. And I'm looking up and down the rows, and then I basically walk right into him. And uh, he's by far my biggest antelope for sure. Yeah, he's a toad. Like I wanted a big one this year, and he was like I knew he was big. So I, I had seen him once, and then looking at the camera, I knew he was big. But 
he ended up being. There was no ground shrinkage. He was, right. He was a lot bigger than I thought he was. And I haven't had him scored yet. Um, there's been some guesses. Somewhere around 16. Yeah. I did put a, I got his length and he's, he's 16 or just over on length. Yeah. So. And that's good for Montana. Like, especially, especially this area. County, yeah. You know, the, the more you go southeast towards that Wyoming border, I mm-hmm. think they get bigger. But you don't see too many 18 inch antelope around these parts. No. You can get 14 and 15 pretty consistently, but yours is much larger than the average that's out here. Yeah. Uh, the pictures that I posted on the Instagram page of those three or four, those are a little bit more they're, – they're a little larger than the average ones you see out here. I was surprised to see those three large ones mm-hmm. in such a close uh, proximity to each other. But um, I think we've got some good ones around this year just because of – they do the majority of their growing in the spring versus yeah. deer, you know, need to finish off throughout the summer. But, like, you know, you've got a couple 12-inch ones sitting here. 12's legit for our area. Like like I said, I'm shooting 12 all day. Especially with the bow, you know. Yeah. I mean. My wife shot one last year. It was 14. That that was the biggest one in our family because 14 for our area is pretty big. Well, she can't brag about that <laughs> anymore. Sorry, Beth. So 14 is like, yeah, I mean, it's reaching the top end up here. And I had thought before that I had seen, oh, I've seen 15s. And then I hunted in Wyoming and went to yeah. where they were skinning out a few, and there was a 16 and there was a 17. And once I, once I saw those, I've definitely never seen one in person. I've probably seen a 15. but And then now to kill a 16, yeah, that, that's pretty big for our area. Yeah, there's there's been times where I said, you know, oh, that one's got to be 18. Mm-hmm. And then you go see like a taxidermy shoulder mount of an 18, 19, or a 20, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think my judgment's a little bit off on some of these bucks because that's a lot bigger than I thought 18 was. Yeah. But, yeah, I and it's funny too because you, you said that the numbers are a little bit down this year. I'm not – I don't know according to FWP whether they are or not, but, yeah, I, it's been harder to find those large groups this year than last year and the year before were in my mm-hmm. opinion as well. So so they might be down a little bit. Uh, we must be in also some type of corridor for them because right around December, you'll see those herds of four, 500. Mm-hmm. They'll just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, there's They'll hang out for I've, a little while. I figured out over the years that they definitely migrate through from yeah. Canada. But it is strange to see that uh, they're not quite as easy to find as they were the last few years. Mm-hmm. Now, once you do find them, they pretty much consistently hang out in that same area unless they're pushed away from hunting pressure. Up here, how many other bow hunters do you run into for archery? Not a few. Talking to the one rancher the other day that has a big block management, um, he's had two so far, both Washington. Well, there's was two crews, two different sets of guys, but they were both from Washington over, mm-hmm. and they, the Washington guys always hunt that every year up in that area. So it's the same people every year. Like we don't have part. a lot of competition. We Not don't a have a lot of guys. And that's because we don't have the giant goats that everybody wants. Yeah, which is, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't need the competition. But I think just given the environment, it it stops a lot of people from coming out this way for antelope especially. Yeah. Um, that open country where you just, I mean, you could have antelope 300 yards away and they never come into that water hole. Or you could have them 300 yards away in an open field that's harvested, and how are you going to get on them? Mm-hmm. Especially if they're bedded down and not feeding. So you got to just wait it out. And with a bow, 
50, 60 yards is what you're looking about on average. 60 yards is pretty close if you're spot and stalk. Yeah. If you think about it, unless you can find some type of terrain to hide behind and cut them off. But if you're trying to just slowly maneuver yourself in this country and use whatever micro terrain that you have to get close to these animals, 60 yards, you might feel like you're 20, 20 yards away. Then right. you range, you're like six, you're like, shit, there's no way to get closer. I had four years in a row there that my shots were all over 60. Yeah. You know, Out in the fields. Yep. Uh, and that's a tough shot to make, yep. especially if you get your that buck fever like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I, you can see it in the video that you posted. Adam's hunt is on YouTube. Uh, what is it? Adam, just Adam Kaiser. Yeah. Is, just search Adam Kaiser. Tree on, stand uh, antelope too. Yeah. It, it's a good video and he's got the kill shot. And that's all that matters for hunting videos. You're talking about my hand shaking. Yeah. You're shaking oh, yeah. like a fiend. And that was after calming myself down significantly. Yeah. Like, I've had I, a tour, I I'm holding that. a range finder and I like, this one wasn't as bad, but because I calmed myself down, but I've already had it to where I can't even get a range on an animal. Yeah. I, See, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. My body now it could be it could be just the way that my body's been adjusted through our work, where you kind of learn to control that adrenaline rush a little bit. What happens is I'll see that like I saw that group of antelope coming into my my uh, water hole, right? And my stomach, you get that heavy stomach feeling, that hot gut feeling. You're mm. like, oh, here <laughs> it's gonna happen. You get a little shaky. And But for me, that happens, and then they start getting closer, and it goes away by itself. And then all I do is focus on trying to make a good shot. So that little mantra that you do in your head of, all right, um, draw, anchor, acquire your target, whatever you're saying in your head and trying to find the pins and place it where it needs to go and waiting for a good shot, I think just having that thought process for myself calms me down to almost zero early on when I started to bow hunt, it was, I I could not draw back my bow sometimes because I was so like anxious and full of excitement and nervous and whatever those mm. feelings are. Be, you know, there were times it took a while to figure out how, how can I control it? And now with bow hunting, once I'm at full draw, I don't really feel it. I feel it before I'm calm. I shoot. And then I get, you know, it comes back after. There's so a lot I, of guys like that. Block I there's it two out. different kinds. Because I've done this since I was 12. It hasn't changed. No. I still get just amped up while it's happening. My dad has always been to where, like you said, after he shoots, then he gets the adrenaline dump. Where mine's kind of leading up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think there's two different, two different kinds. Because I don't know. It's been a long time. And it's never fixed itself. Yeah. Which is exciting. You just have to figure out how to deal with it. It's tough. Like I said, like you said, the combat breathing and definitely works. My first elk, I couldn't hit the thing with a rangefinder from 60 yards. That, you were that shaky? I had, yeah, and I had to sit there and do that breathing for a while. And then by waiting, he worked his way to 41. Well, then I hit him with the rangefinder fine, and I made the shot. But I wouldn't hit that thing at 60 the way I was shaking that day. Yeah. The first elk I ever saw when I was bow hunting, I didn't even... It didn't even occur to me that I should be drawing my bow back. Hmm. <laughs> I was just watching it like, yeah. oh, my God, this elk is coming towards, you know, my calls. And, hmm. hey, look, he's 40 yards away. And my bow is still down at my waist. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I should probably try to draw this thing back. The first couple of times, elk, uh, full draw on an elk, I mean, I could not control my adrenaline. It's just something that you, you'll, 
you can like like for you it's kind of always stuck with you for me i i don't know it's kind of just i try to just focus on the basics of making good shots mm -hmm. so i try to take everything else out of my my brain and just focus on that sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't because yeah. like i said i screwed up that 34 yard shot now that you know it's my fault because i didn't check that's the, not, yeah that was a side issue is a side issue that's still my fault, but it wasn't that I necessarily made a bad shot. It's yeah. that my pins weren't where they should have been. I def it definitely seems to help me videoing things, like it's sitting in a tree there because I'm worried about other stuff. It breaks that tunnel vision when I'm keeping keeping the animal in the frame and that kind of stuff. It keeps me from just sitting there hyperventilating, watching, and getting too amped up. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that takes. It can take time to figure out how to control it, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you still shake, and you're still able to make these good shots. So yeah. you're still focusing on what... I'm sure when you're at full draw, and it might look like you're shaking, but you're so focused on where that arrow needs to go, like maybe you just are beyond... Do You You don't, like, black out, right? No. Like, you're no, still focused I, on... I mean, I definitely... I think I have. I think everybody has. <laughs> but this one, no, I, had it not been on video, I would have told you I didn't even shake, like, after calming myself down and stuff. Because I was really focused on making that shot, and I knew I made a good shot. And then, yeah, watching that, you can see my, my fingers are just flopping all over the place. Yeah, this... I wonder... Oh, that's, that's a good... Um, I wonder if my body does shake, and I just don't think that it does. Mm. So this year, when I do get my shot on camera, I promise, <laughs> I'm going to try to get that GoPro going behind me and see if, uh, at least in a blind, it's easier to film yourself in a blind, see if I shake, but I don't I don't think I do. I know I get that feeling before it happens and then after it happens. So I don't know. The adrenaline's fun, though, as long as you can work through it. Yeah, yeah. Buck fever's a neat thing. Yeah, it is cool. That's why people that don't hunt, have they don't understand. And yeah, the people that once they do experience that, take take for instance my brother. Now he's not he has bow hunted uh, for one season or two because he just started hunting a year or two ago. But um, you can see it happens to him that he gets buck fever bad, mm -hmm. and he, you know he can shoot the rifle at the range, but then you put him behind a rifle with a live animal on the other end of it, and he doesn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a video I have of him. I don't know exactly how it happened. We're going to blame the wind because it was a pretty strong 30-mile-an-hour, 40-mile-an-hour crosswind. But he, he shot like six feet over this buck at 200 yards away. And it's not the gun. It was my gun. They're zeroed in at 200. And he's just – he went into that panic mode. Yeah. And it's funny to see people uh, – not – I mean, it's entertaining to see it happen to people on their first time especially if it was somebody who's like ah that would never happen to me mm -hmm. it's like well guess what homie it did yeah <laughs> i got video proof of you yep. shaking so no man that's awesome i'm glad you got your buck especially it, once you saw him originally and you're like i want that one mm -hmm. you know i haven't found one necessarily that i want the three that i saw yesterday that I took pictures of, I want one of those. Now, I don't have permission to hunt that property yet. I might get it, but uh, again, I don't... I never really set my sights out to get a specific animal. You know, I'm happy to get anything. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the buck that I shot, um, that muley, 
the big the shoulder mount that mm-hmm. I've got. So like I found him the first day that I went out, but I gave you guys the coordinates for him when I went elk hunting. If you guys want, you know, yeah. like I don't care. I'll let somebody else, as long as it's somebody that I know, yeah. I'll help you out. So I've I haven't picked a specific antelope that I want yet. I was ready to shoot at like a ten or eleven. It didn't work out. I'm hoping this week I'm gonna check that camera before I sit in the tent. Cause I'm gonna check the I didn't even check the, the pictures after the last sit because I didn't have anything to read the the card. Mm. I'm gonna be pissed if they were in there like an hour <laughs> before me and I sat there all day hoping they'd come back. Yeah. That's a long day. Oh yeah. So uh tomorrow I'm gonna go out after work and do an evening stalk. I'm gonna try that decoy out. I think I can separate this buck from his does. I got to get the permission first on the land, but that's to, tomorrow's goal. Use a decoy, get between the buck and the does, and see if he comes in for a shot. Uh, and then if that doesn't, you know, fall, you know, if that doesn't go through Wednesday, I'll probably try to sit that blind again. I hope something comes in, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got time. Yeah, it's still it's not it's just hit a week that it's been open. So if there's still puddles around, I don't know that I would even sit that. Like you said, you've got time. I would probably drive around, spend some gas money and find something to stock. Yeah. Like I've heard other guys talk about sitting in the rain or sitting like the day after rain. There's no chance because antelope will drink out of anything. They'll drink out of your boot track from the day before if they can. But here's another hunting technique that I don't agree with. But I know a lot of people do it. Road hunting. Mm -hmm. And by road hunting, what I mean by road hunting with antelope is that you drive and you'll find these antelope 20 to 30 yards off the road. And they don't bust right away, right? Mm -hmm. They'll sit there and they'll watch you. Sometimes you can park and get out of your car and they still stand there, right? So there are guys that that's the only way they'll hunt them with a bow is they'll find them off the side of the road. The shooter is the passenger. They slow down. The shooter gets out. The truck keeps on driving. And by the time the buck is done looking at the truck, you're already at full draw and you're sending arrows downrange. Mm-hmm. That isn't fair chase. If you if that's the way you hunt, sorry, that's not fair chase. Okay? And I don't think it's legal if you're shooting from the road anyways. No, it's not. So don't do that. <laughs> no, try to earn I, – I don't – I understand why people – I can understand why people would do it that way, and I can see the entertainment value in it, I guess. I can understand it. It's not something I'd ever do, mm-hmm. but it's something that does happen. Uh, I'm smiling because last year or the year before, I was driving down a highway, a paved highway, and there's a truck sitting like, like sideways in the middle of the road, and there's a long-haired dude walking back from the field. He was going, He was collecting his arrow. Like, he had shot from the road. Cigarette hanging out of his mouth, picks up his arrow, he's walking back to his truck. And I had to literally wait till he put his bow back in the truck, got in and moved so that I could go around. So, yeah, there's definitely plenty of guys do that, which is why, come rifle season, if you see a herd antelope and you tap the brakes, they run. Yeah. Because they're so educated by that. Because they know that they are oh, yeah. shooting from the vehicle yep. or getting right out of the vehicle and shooting. Yeah. When that vehicle stops, I need to run because I'm about to get shot at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if if you see them on the side of the road and you're driving, 
if that's how you're going to hunt, if you want to hunt that buck or that whatever antelope it is off the side of the road like that, drive down the road, get out of sight, get out of the vehicle and stalk yourself in. That's different, right? You still have to stalk yourself in to range without being seen. But man, if you're just going to jump out of your truck like that and he's distracted because he's watching this truck drive away and you, you fling an arrow at him, I, I wouldn't feel good about posting that picture mm-hmm. or taking that animal home. I wouldn't want to see that thing on the wall and be like, yeah, I remember that. You're probably going to re- you know regret it years down the road mm-hmm. when you become a little bit more mature. I might catch flack for saying that, but that's the honest truth. Mm-hmm. It's not fair chase. And if you're hunting, you should be doing it with fair – it should be fair chase. So it is what it is, but uh, – don't break the law. How yeah. about that? So I don't know. Um, what would you? Uh, we could probably wrap it up. I mean, anything else that you recommend for anyone going out this year? Any tips? You seem to. I mean, you shoot one. You've been successful almost every year that you've drawn this archery tag for the last what? Twelve years. You have shot one every year. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Yeah. It's your subject matter expert right here. <laughs> If I'm going to go out this week, all right, you know you know my situation. I've got the mm-hmm. blind out on water, and it just rained for 24 hours straight here. Mm-hmm. What am I doing on my day off? I would be looking tomorrow to see how much it dries out. If it dries out, you know, the blind's probably worth a shot. Um, if it's not, I'd be spotting stocking. There's already been times <clears throat> early in the season where if I sit a blind for 13 hours, I'm not doing it two days in a row. I'm probably going and stretching my legs, looking for some stocks. Because like you said, road hunting, I hate road hunting as much as anyone. But when it comes to antelope with a bow, my kind of road hunting is you see them. You know, they might be a thousand yards away, but they might be heading into a coulee. Then that the hunt is on. Yeah, you're driving around until you find them right. somewhere in the yeah. fields. And then it's coming not like up mule deer. You're not going to hike three miles in and sit on a vantage point all day waiting for something like you can spot these things from the road yeah spotting them is just the first part right then you're going after them you're formulating some kind of plan like you said you might have to drive a mile to get out of eyesight of them to hide the truck yeah and then make a loop play the wind all that and wait for them to get in you know a coulee or some kind of terrain where you can actually stalk them that's fun when when old nicholas used to live here we'd go on six stocks a day we'd hunt all day from daylight till dark and sometimes some of those stocks are three or four hours long yeah it depends. But, like I said, there's some antelope. You might drive by it 200 yards from the road. They're in a paper flat field. You just keep driving. Yeah. You go find another one and uh, play with them. But spotting stock's fun. I haven't done it in a few years. I've really put a lot of focus into finding these water holes and spending time nailing down, like, where they're going. It's kind of a chess match. If you've got a bunch of water holes, it doesn't work. But if you find the only one in the area that they're hitting... Maybe I'm getting older, lazy, I don't know. But I don't mind putting the patience in to sit on those. Yeah. My first, like I said, I've killed 12 of them. Um, my first probably five were all spot and stock. Since then, there's been one or two that are spot and stock, but majority of them have been water holes. Yeah. Just playing that game and being patient. And I think last year you shot yours pretty early in the season too, right? First I day? I, so I couldn't hunt opening day last year. Or maybe it was, it was two the first years Saturday. ago. Two years ago, I shot mine on opening day. I just I saw that the other day. And then for some reason, the 20th, I've shot two or three of them. 
on the 20th. I had a Facebook memory, you know, and there was two or three that I've shot on the 20th. But it gets so fun in September. Like, Nick and those guys have been out the last couple of years. They're not coming this year for antelope. Mm -hmm. But it's so much fun decoying and just looking for stocks and all that. So definitely don't get stressed out early season if you haven't filled it yet because the fun time's coming. Yeah, that rut, that's when it's going to pick up for sure. That's yeah. not Adam or myself breathing heavily in the background right now. That is the dog. Big so. black lab here. We'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks again for everyone checking out the podcast and the YouTube page. Check out uh, the Instagram page. You probably already follow it's Thailand Hunter. Check out Adam's page. I think it's Adam Kaiser 13. Adam 14 Kaiser. Adam 4. Okay, I was close. Adam 14 Kaiser on Instagram. Adam Kaiser on YouTube. Go check out his video on his latest antelope hunt. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks, guys.